This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 11, A Perfect Brightness of Hope. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Stand with Lynette podcast. I am so grateful that you are here. I feel really honored every week when I sit down to record and I think about you and I think about the fact that there are people actually showing up to listen to what I have to say and that thought is so humbling for me. And I feel, again, so honored to be part of your experience here right now. So thank you for being here. Before we get into today's topic, I would like to read the review of the week. And this review comes from Anita Huff. And she says, this podcast is exactly what I need every week. If you're trying to follow the prophet with exactness, this podcast is for you. Lynette is real and relatable. I'm so thankful she stepped out of her comfort zone and put this podcast out into today's world. Thank you for bringing us goodness and truth. Well, thank you, Anita, for that amazing review. I feel so grateful for that. And just, again, for you showing up here to listen. I love how she said that if you're trying to follow the prophet with exactness, this podcast is for you. I am grateful that she got that out of the few podcasts that I have out there because I really do want to help you follow the prophet. I want to be real. I want to be relatable. I am on this journey with you. We are all on this journey. So thank you again. If you will reach out to me, Anita Huff, and let me know that I read your review on the air, I would love to send you a little gift. You can contact me via DM on Instagram, or you can go to my Instagram bio, and there's an email um, like link right there. You can email me. You can use the contact form on my website, lynettesheppard.com. However is easiest for you to contact me, let me know I read your review. I will send you a gift as a thank you. And if you would like to have your review read on the air, leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, letting me know one of your biggest takeaways so far or how this podcast has helped your life. And I would love to send you a gift in return. Okay, today we are going to talk about hope and prosperity. We are spending the next few weeks talking about some self-care fundamentals, and this is one of them. So far, we have talked about eat, sleep, move, breathe, and be present. Now we are going to talk about be prosperous. And another word for prosperity is hope, which I think is so relevant because this world is hard. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of craziness going on. At the time of this recording, there was just a school shooting in Texas just a few days ago. And I know that a lot of people are feeling maybe some despair surrounding that because things like this keep happening. And the victims in this case were just elementary school kids. And that is hard to swallow. And there's this war going on in Eastern Europe with all of these people who have been displaced from their home and dealing with the, the atrocities of war, and that's hard. And amid just other challenges that all of us are facing in our lives, whatever they are, and that 
can be hard to stomach, no matter what we believe, no matter what our faith is. And even as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, sometimes we might feel a bit of despair. And I hope to be able to help you see beyond that despair into hope and how we can develop more hope in our lives. I want to start by telling you a story of something that happened to me many years ago. And at this point in my life, I was in the middle of a very difficult season of parenting. And one of my kids, she was probably about 10 years old at the time, and she was struggling big time to learn how to manage her emotions. She could generally hold herself together while she was at school or at church or in public, sometimes not in public, but for the most part, she was able to hold herself together in those situations. But then she would come home and just unleash her pent-up anxiety and frustration and anger on me in spectacular ways. Day after day, I bore the brunt of her anger. That's how her worry and her anxiety was manifested, was in constant anger directed toward me. I heard, I hate you, mom, more times than I would like to admit. And generally speaking, I am a pretty calm person. I think I'm pretty patient most of the time, and I'm more or less unaffected by my kids' emotional outbursts that include things like, I hate you, mom. But after weeks and months of bearing the brunt of this and being a punching bag for my child, I was exhausted in every sense of the word. I did not want to be her punching bag anymore. For one more second, I didn't want to bear the brunt of her anger. But there was no relief in sight. Day and night, I worried about what her future might hold. I saw such great potential in her, but would she ever be able to get past the stresses of life and onto higher ground? If she could not learn to be kind to me, how would she learn to be kind to others? If she could not figure out how to manage her stress and especially her anger, how would she become the woman I knew she was destined to become? What was I missing? What more could I do? How would her life turn out if she continued on her current trajectory? And on top of all of my worries for her, I was emotionally spent and out of patience. My natural optimism and hope had disappeared beneath a cloud of adversity that did not appear to be letting up anytime soon. One Sunday morning, while I was entrenched in these challenging circumstances, I had a run-in with my daughter right before church. She unleashed her anger upon me as she had done a million times before, but this time, it felt like too much. My husband was serving in the bishopric at the time, and he was at a meeting, so I was left to handle this situation alone. And I remember locking myself in my bathroom and sitting on the edge of the tub and allowing myself to cry all the tears that I had been holding in for months. I am generally not a crier. I am pretty stoic most of the time. So tears are rare for me. But that morning, I cried until there were no tears left. In that moment, despair had replaced all hope in my heart. I was not sure how I was going to pull myself together, get myself and my kids ready for church, and sit in the chapel as if everything was fine that day. Because what I wanted to do was crawl back in bed, put a movie on, 
to entertain the kids and pretend like my reality was something different, something perhaps much less challenging than the one I was currently living. But I got dressed, I made sure my kids were dressed, and I took them down to church and we sat in the pews. And this was a fast and testimony meeting that day. And one brother got up to share his testimony and I didn't even know him very well. We were actually pretty new to this ward and I didn't know this brother. And he got up and he told a story of a boy who caused all sorts of trouble as a child. And his parents and his leaders, um, this brother was one of his leaders, and he said, we just, we didn't know how to handle him. He told about how they lit, he literally picked him up on his chair, chair and all, and put him out into the hallway one Sunday at church because he was being so com- incredibly disruptive, and nobody knew really how to handle him because he was so much trouble. But years later, he decided to serve a mission. And at that point, the problem child was only a memory, having been replaced by a faithful, hardworking, stalwart servant of the Lord. As I sat there on the pew trying to hold back my tears, which were the floodgates had already been opened that day, but I knew that that story that that testimony, that his words, they were for me. The Lord was telling me through this brother in my ward, Lynette, everything's going to be all right. This stage is fleeting. She will get to where she needs to be. So be patient, be kind, do your best, and leave the transformation to me. In that instant, my despair turned to hope. I saw my daughter with new eyes because the Lord gave me a brief glimpse into who she was underneath her current struggles. He showed me who she had the potential to become and assured me that he would help her get there. And that new vision changed everything. I could do my best and let the outcome go. I could focus on being patient and kind and forgiving and leave the heavy lifting to the Lord. And guess what? This daughter, who gave me so many sleepless nights when she was younger, started her missionary service last week. She has become the woman God told me she would become back in that fast and testimony meeting so many years ago. The Lord's vision is clear and his promises are sure. From this experience and others like it, I have learned that hope begins with how we see. How we see affects what we say, how we feel, and what we do. As Stephen R. Covey said, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. So if we can broaden our perspective, we can change our lives. Through his research about hope, Shane Lopez determined that hope is the belief that your future will be better than your present and you have the power to make it so. I love Shane's definition, but I would add God into the equation. So we, with God's help, have the power to create a future that is infinitely better than our present. With that in mind, we can no longer be powerless victims of our circumstances. Instead, we can be co-creators with God. We can work hand in hand with the creator himself to build lives filled with hope. But where do we begin? 
One of my mentors, Brooke Snow, taught me that the most important indicator of how hopeful a person is can be seen in how well they can describe what they hope for. In other words, what do you want your future to look like? Can you describe it in detail? What do you see, hear, feel? Who is there with you? What details catch your eye? The more clearly you can see the life you want to create, the easier it will be to build it. Believing is seeing. Seeing is hoping. Hoping for a brighter future fuels peace and joy amid adversity. Finding hope in our journey of life does not always come naturally. Most often, we must practice by looking beyond current circumstances to the beautiful possibilities that lie ahead. And often, contrast helps us see more clearly. By experiencing despair, we learn to appreciate hope. And when we feel more hopeful, we more readily recognize despair, leading us to seek hope once more. Hope and faith go hand in hand. Hope is born of faith and comes with the expectation of future outcomes or blessings. Faith is a choice to believe in something you may not be able to see. I love M. Russell Ballard's explanation. He says, Hope in Christ is not wishful thinking. Instead, hope is an expectation that will be realized. Such hope is essential to overcoming adversity, fostering spiritual resilience and strength, and coming to know that we are loved by our eternal Father and we are His children who belong to His family. Close quote. I think faith is believing in Christ, and hope is believing Christ. Believing him when he says, he will give me rest from my burdens. Believing he knows the way when he beckons me to follow him. Believing when he says he knows his sheep, which means he knows me. Believing he did, in reality, lay down his life to save mankind and I can be healed through him. Believing Christ comes with an expectation that his grace extends to each of us despite our weaknesses and mistakes. It means that he, through the enabling power of his atonement, can help us create a fulfilling future, no matter how dark the present may be. It means we can trust him to walk beside us, helping us shoulder the burden of the steep passages. It means we can be confident that life, love, and family relationships continue beyond the grave. When we believe Christ, we have hope for an eternity of brighter tomorrows, and therefore, we can endure the night. Sometimes, however, the night is longer than we anticipate. We may grow weary of the darkness that envelops us, wondering when or if the light will ever return. And then, where will hope be? When my youngest son, Carson, was four years old, he began limping, refusing to put any weight on his right heel. The pediatrician sent him to an imaging center to get an x-ray, which, according to the radiologist who read it, was, quote-unquote, normal. But his limp got worse. I called to get him evaluated by a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, but the soonest available appointment was six weeks in the future because he had no diagnosis. As the weeks dragged on, Carson did his best to continue with his normal activities, but still refused to put any weight on his right foot. When people asked him what happened, he re happily replied, this is just how I have to walk. The date of his appointment at the orthopedic office finally arrived after six weeks. The surgeon took one look at the x-ray and asked if the pediatrician had made a diagnosis, to which I replied, 
He told me it was normal. Stunned, the surgeon pointed to the x-ray, showing me a huge black spot that encompassed a vast majority of Carson's calcaneus, or keel bone. This is not normal, he said. My heart dropped as I geared up for whatever he would say next. It is probably a bone cyst, he explained, a benign collection of blood and fluid inside the bone, but we will need to do more testing to know for sure. That testing led to the diagnosis the surgeon expected, an aneurysmal bone cyst, which, not surprisingly, required surgery. What should have been a six-week recovery, however, turned into a nine-month roller coaster. It included three surgeries, two failed bone grafts, a bone infection that required a five-day hospital stay, and a PICC line for six weeks of IV antibiotics. As complication after complication arose, the experienced surgeon was baffled. Some of the complications were so rare that he had never before seen them. Meanwhile, my extremely active four-year-old could not walk for nine months. I am naturally pretty optimistic. It is usually not difficult for me to say it will all work out, and I wholeheartedly believe it. But watching my young son suffer for an extended period of time tested my resolve. To add to the craziness of the situation, we sold our home right after his first surgery, dealt with a house flood and weeks of renovations to fix it in the middle of his medical challenges, and then months of massive challenges fell upon us like dominoes. There came a point in that journey where I felt like I was on the verge of collapse. Normally steady and grounded, I knew I would fall apart if anybody told me to look for the blessings in my life. I believed things would eventually get better, but I had no idea how or when that would happen. The present was stressful and the foreseeable future seemed bleak. My faith in God remained intact, but my hope in his willingness to allow my family to rest and recover was low. The extended future was still bright, but how could I endure until then? At that point, hope came packaged in small moments, a beautiful sunrise or sunset, a friend to drive my kids to school, a plate of cookies on my doorstep, a text to see how I was doing. Those small things reminded me that God and others had not forgotten about me. They encouraged me to hold on, look up, and believe in good things to come. Sometimes the small and simple things are among the greatest gifts of God, but even as we notice and appreciate the little miracles that happen each day, there may be times when our faith is weak. Perhaps all we can do in those moments is desire to believe. But miraculously, a desire to believe can keep us going until we do believe. And then, as we open our hearts to the possibility of future greatness, hope will emerge. We live in a troubled world where trials are plentiful and peace is lacking. I have often wished I could raise my kids in another time. Can we please go back to the nifty 50s? Is anyone with me? When the world was not in deafening commotion, I long for a time when the values I hold dear and hope to teach my kids are accepted instead of quote unquote old fashioned or out of date. I wish my kids did not have to navigate a minefield of accessible pornography, immorality, and obscenity every time they sit down to do a school project. It is easy to feel despair about the future given the direction that our world is heading and the hard things that are happening to people. 
But hope is always available as we train ourselves to see a brighter future and believe that we, with God's help, have the power to make it so. With hope sitting next to faith in our toolboxes, we will be much more equipped to turn despair into light and doubt into belief. So let's work on that, my friends. Let's look for hope in our lives. And together, let's stand. With that in mind, your shine challenge for this week is to write about one thing you hope for in as much detail as possible. Write about it as if it had already happened. You can use that vision to help you endure when things get tough. You can also use it to create, with God's help, the outcome you desire. Hope on, my friends, journey on. We are all in this together. Thanks for being here. See you next time. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepherd. That's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepherd.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again. And remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.